welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Okay, there we go. Hello, welcome to episode 477 of the Self-Help Podcast with me, Ed Lamb, and my good pal, Sean Orford. How are you doing, Sean? Uh, I am okay. I'm getting better, but I'm going in to see the consultant on Thursday, and they might want to do cardio version, which is a fun thing, where they stop your heart electronically and then restart it again. So, No big deal, man. Stop no big starting deal, your man. heart it's, again. It's so like they, they, car they, on and off, isn't it? It's like your computer, you know, when your computer's not working properly, you stop it, start it again, it resets itself, and it's the same with your heart. It's okay. Works every time. <laughs> yeah. So, and that, that that's, it is the kind of thing where it makes you think, hmm, I wonder, A, I wonder what it's going to be like. Yeah. And two, I'm assuming I'm going to come out the other side and go, hey, you're Ed, how you doing? Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. sure you will, man. Yeah. Hearts. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little tinker toy, dead easy. I mean, it's yeah, like you say, like turning the. But so, is this to, is this to um, uh, just get the rhythm back in? Oh. Yeah, what, what's happening is that rather than beating as a whole, my heart keeps going to the thing where the bottom half and the top half beat independently, so mm-hmm. they start arguing with each other, and that slows the blood going round, so it makes you tired. Right, um, but also it feels like your heart's jumping around your chest. It's a really weird feeling. Yeah, but that's strange. Wow. Hey, mm. all right. They know what they're doing. You're in safe hands. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if not, I'll just haunt you. That's no, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. We're talking about flying the nest this week. Um, I think this is a semi-regular thing we do at this time of year as kids. Well, every year, to me, this is empty nest season now. Mm. Um, And it's like divorce season happens after Christmas in the new year. (laughs) This is empty nest season. And it's like, from a therapy point of view, the the year can be separated out into quite distinct phases. Well... The, the real old school listeners of ours that have been with you know listening to the show since the start or for many years will know that we, there is a rhythm to our to our podcast you know and the, the things that we mm-hmm. talk about at different times of the year which is fascinating in itself really but um, yeah yeah maybe if we're still doing this podcast by some amazing reason through like artificial intelligence maybe a thousand years from now um <laughs> uh yeah, we'll still be talking about the same stuff. Assuming yeah, the oh, not again, bloody yeah. Assuming that the seasons are all still in line, and because uh, yeah. I think we've just experienced a bit of a mini spring in November, which is finally ending. It's getting quite cold now, but um, yeah, things are a bit out of sync. Maybe it feels like planet Earth needs to have its kind of heart um, just put <laughs> back into sync a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, we do seem to be in an odd place. Mm. on all kinds of levels both physically and socially you know the whole thing yeah. is yeah, a bit strange uh, yeah uh, so yeah a quick shout out there's a podcast on the website relating to this no sorry not a podcast a blog post relating yeah. to this episode that Sean's written so go to liveinthepresent.co.uk for all the uh, the links there and there's some mm-hmm. links that we're going to mention as we as we chat which you can 
you can click and read up uh, more about. But um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll dive in then, Sean. Because so I've got two boys that are uh, eight, nearly eleven now. So we're, we're we're still very much in that phase of life where it's pretty uh, full on um, in terms of you know seeing them all the time, and you know they they are dependent. Well, they're they're independent lads. And they can kind of do their own thing in the morning. And if they're hungry, they can go to the cupboard and grab some food. Uh, but they're still dependent on us in, uh, in, in many, many ways. And uh, yeah. But, you know, I've got one eye. My, my eldest will be at secondary school next year. So I've got one eye on uh, kind of thinking about what life might be like when they can do their own thing. And they'll have, if he's a, he'll have his own set of house keys soon, I'm sure. And they might even be, will soon-ish reach the stage when... We can go out and leave him in the house on his own, or he can come back later at night um, with with a certain amount of trust. But for some people, <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of the the kids are, are leaving home completely, and that can get, that can leave quite a quite an impression, can't it? And leave leave a bit of a hole. And and the, the thing, I mean, what inspired me to do this was someone who came to see me, whose um, daughter has gone. Um, to university and it's about half an hour away from the house but she's she's gone to live at the uni and although it's, it's like half an hour drive backwards and forwards she's chosen to that I think she wants to play independence kind of thing but from the mother's point of view it's like she's gone to the end of the earth she's not half an hour away it's like oh my god um, and and that whole thing about um, from the mother's point of view, particularly much more than the father, the the role changes. You know, who am I? Changes because I'm no longer a mother. I'm no longer there protecting these kids. The kids have gone. You know, yeah. It's a really powerful um, place to be, an experience to go through. You know? Yeah, I'll bet it is. I mean, nothing stays the same in life for very long, does it? But I guess when you've had kids at home with you since the age of so I'm actually right now actually I'm staying in London with my brother yeah um, I've got some work on down here so I'm having a couple of nights in down here in between um, events I'm, I'm attending and um, I'm back into a house at the moment where there's young kids on the scene like all three kids under the age of four or something like that yeah so mm-hmm. uh, I've just experienced it before we came on air um, the, the madness of, of they've, they've all gone now one's gone to school and two are in nursery so got the house to myself but um, you know <laughs> it, it bring, it's bringing back a lot of memories in terms of how how full on that stage of life is when kids are really young um, and it does kind of kick start um, yeah your life as a parent doesn't it and it eases off and it changes as, as they get older and into their teenage years and all that but as long as the kids are at home um the, the house has a certain kind of energy, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is that that energy builds over time. I mean, the kids go off to uni at 18, don't they? So it's like you spend 18 years building this family unit and suddenly it's gone, it's changed. Mm. Yeah. And you, you were saying that in your situation, you and your brother both went to uni the same year, which That's must right. have been a hell of a shock for your mum. I think so, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm a year older than my brother, school year at least. And I, but I had a, I did a year at art college after school, so my uni was delayed a bit. Um, so me and my brother ended up going to Leeds and Newcastle, respectively, mm. pretty much within a couple of weeks of each other, or within a week. 
maybe mm-hmm. following weekends. So yeah, it's uh, my sister was still at home, so she, my sister's a bit younger than us, but still from a it's a you know bigish four bedroom semi detached house will have the atmosphere will have changed quite quickly overnight for my mum and dad. And like I say, yeah, pretty typical in our house in that my dad was probably all right with it. <laughs> Although maybe he's nursing deeper psychological scars that he's never spoken about. I'll have a, I'll have a chat with him. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, for my mum, it was probably a bigger deal. And it was a real, you know, in the space of a week, things changed quite quite big for them. So, uh, And they still live in the same house. We'll talk about that in a little bit in terms of the changes that you can make. Mm. Um, but yeah, quite quite a big deal for, for people to go through. And it's, you know, a big deal for the, the kid leaving home, you know, uh, not having your meals cooked for you or that kind of uh, to, to go to a university environment, for example, where you live with a load of new people or in a, in halls for, for the first year or whatever it is. It can be uh, a big, big deal, can't it? And I think all the things that you have to learn, like budgeting, um, and um, it's like, how do you work the washing machine? How do you cook? Yeah, I remember all that stuff. It was good fun. And I guess we're we're talking more about the from the perspective of the parents this time, but uh, the stuff you can do in advance of your kids leaving to kind of prepare them. Yeah. For, uh, for life on the outside so I, I think I do kind of stereotypically remember trying to figure out how to use the washing machine in the in the halls of residence there was like a, a kind of communal area where you put some money in a big washer dryer that kind of thing and mm. probably you know, I think having to call my mum to say when do I put the detergent in mum or does it go in here what do I do how long does it need yeah. to for all that kind of stuff so yeah and, and it's always the thing where you don't understand about not to mix colours with whites and so do you find that you you've dyed all your all your white clothes pink? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Amazing stuff. But um, but I guess there's also an opportunity there, isn't there, for uh, for for a person to kind of rediscover themselves. So if you've been a primary caregiver to a child or or someone that's that's now not living there, there's an opportunity there to um to do what you want to do for yourself and. I guess it's not just an opportunity, but it's something you've got to do really for your own sanity to just to, well, to fill but the time. But that's something in the therapeutic bit, whereas you get someone who is experiencing the loss and the grief of losing the child um, uh, to uni or whatever. Um, but then I'm saying, okay, so what about you? What are you going to do with you? And very often people are completely stumped by that. Mm. Um, and very often that's the case of going backwards and saying, okay, when you were this age, what did you imagine? What did you fancy? What interested you? Yeah. You know, and the amount of people that do get into kind of amateur dramatics and all kind of, they join things. Yeah. Yeah. My folks and my in-laws have, have, have been pretty good at that and staying busy and all that uh, kind of stuff and discovered um, yeah, new little friendship groups, and, and mm. I mean, my parents are now at the stage where they've got grandkids on the scene, so that's kind of the next stage of life, which can be a bit of a well, can be a five, ten year gap sometimes. But like mm. being, a, being a grandparent, assuming you're lucky enough, <laughs> if that's the right word, to to be able to get access to the grandkids and you're close enough and all that stuff is a uh, yeah 
looks like quite a full-on s- stage of life in its own in its own right which uh yeah you might but it, it, if you think that just a couple of generations ago and everybody lived in extended families um that kind of aunts uncles cousins um parents and that shared living uh, that went on in in if people weren't actually living in the same house they were in the same locality um so people were looking after each other there was a lot of support around suddenly it's not like that now yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, is it tougher for women in general or is it just something that men and dads are better at hiding? Uh, what do you reckon? I, I think both of those things. But I think generally um, it's women that play all those supportive roles. Mm. And the fella, um, not always, but I mean the, the fella generally is sat back having a good time um, and the mother is worrying about the things Mm. You know, um, I'm sure there's lots of men that listen to that and go, what do you mean? You know, mm. and, and it's true, some fellas do get involved, but lots of fellas do still sit back mm. and let the mother do it. Yeah, you know? well, yeah, I guess uh, we'll find out. I'm pretty hands-on, Dad, so we'll see how I do. In a... Yeah. I'm sort of looking forward to that next stage. I mean, I'm enjoying every moment of, of uh, like parenthood, really, or trying to, and, like, yeah, um, but but do, do you think of things that you might do once the kids have gone? No, not not such really. I haven't got like a bucket list or anything as such. I guess it would, I don't know, it would, it would be good to kind of yeah have more weekends away, a bit of traveling, that kind of thing. It's just hard to know when where my work will be up to at, at that point. It's all a bit changeable at the moment in a, in a quite yeah. a good, exciting way. Um, but yeah, I think our, our lives will still revolve around the, the kiddies and assuming they're still talking to us by then. Uh, yeah, and the grandparents thing. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's, there's a kind of a physical change to the house, which I'm interested in discussing a little bit in terms of... So yeah, my, my parents still live in the family home that we grew up in. They've decided not to downsize, which has its ups and downs, I guess, because 95% of the time, it's quite a big empty house really with three spare bedrooms doing not much, but then it comes in handy, you know, well, not, not, not just at Christmas time, at various points throughout the year when people come to visit or, you know, we go around for dinner, that kind of thing. So it comes handy. Whereas my in-laws have, have decided to downsize to a big family home to a two bed um, house, uh, which is, the opposite really so 95 percent of the time it's the perfect size for two people to live in um but then you know those those occasions when the family descends it can get a little bit tight <laughs> in yeah. in there uh so ups and downs really so yeah do you help people kind of work through that whether it's right to to change houses completely yeah, yeah. or to change the kind of functions of, of yeah. all the rooms in the house there, there's a, a stress scale called the holmes ra scale and um, if you score over 200 points or something in a year, then you need help, kind of thing. Um, but moving house and losing um, a relative, either to death or divorce or whatever, um, mm. which includes the kids going, um, they're, they're in, in the top 10 most stressful things you experience. Yeah. Um, moving house is quite high. 
on mm-hmm. that. Right. You know, um, but I, I, I think that, that that sense about space, it's like Robert left home many years ago, really, but the room that he used in this house is still known as Robert's room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when he and his, his girlie come and stay, that's where they say they say Robert's room. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so, but it has that label on it. Yeah, uh, it's the same in well the house I grew up in, really. But I kind of had I slept in. I had a few different bedrooms. We kind of chopped and changed as we all grew older, and you know I shared a room with my brother for a bit, and then shifted out. And so I don't really have a set bedroom, but um, I still call it home quite a lot of the time, even though I haven't lived there for twenty-ish years. Not quite twenty years, um, but everything's shifted around, so I don't know where everything is now and the cupboards and you know even now i go and i don't know where to look for a, a glass if i want a drink of water <laughs> um, whereas i've got a friend a good friend of mine who literally like within a week of him moving out of his house when he was went to uni that the the parents had kind of uh completely reconfigured his bedroom and decorated it and it was a it was a like a guest bedroom <laughs> it was like you're out you're gone it was like real there was really like no kind of uh uh yeah, like dwelling on the past or reminiscing. It was just like, right, he's gone. Let's change it. Let's go. But a, a lot of, of children do get really offended by that. Mm. You know, they they want their space kept. Yeah. There. But equally so, I, I have um, parents that have turned the bedroom into a shrine. Uh, because, okay. wow. yeah, and, and uh, mothers particularly who will go and sit in that room. Wow. Um, to be near their their child, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So we, there's a couple of blog posts I'm going to link to. One of which is actually advice for kids in terms of that um, moving out yourself, and then there's there's another which is uh, tips for the parents to prepare themselves when when their kids are moving out. Yeah. So there's lots of good stuff in there. Yeah. About finding the new you and all that kind of stuff, but there's also I mean, just because a person has moved out and moved on doesn't mean you can't communicate with them anymore. And mm. I think back to when I went to uni, this was in 2000 and, uh, 2001, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so we had mobile, <laughs> I don't want to sound too old here, but mobile phones were pretty prevalent then. Everyone had a mobile phone, but obviously they weren't like smartphones like we have now. Um, so you were kind of restricted to text messages and phone calls. So I would have a, I would have a weekly phone call. Uh, with my folks generally, um, you know, at the weekend. And I, I remember, you know, I had, had enough credit or enough free minutes. It was one of those tariffs where you had like 50 free minutes per month on your mobile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'd kind of save them up and I'd have, you know, I have a 10 minutes a week to chat to me, mum and dad for free. Yeah. Um, and then, but yeah, it's different now, isn't it? Very different in that the way we live our lives, most of us on social media and with a WhatsApp groups. Mm-hmm. Um, you can almost get like I do. I have like daily, minute by minute updates from various family members around the country and uh, yep. what we're all doing. You know, dad's out for coffee this morning. Mum's getting you know, meeting up with their mates later on. My brother's off to work. Mm-hmm. Wife's in work, and I'm assisted what my sister's doing. So it's, I, I guess it can be maybe a bit overbearing, but it's very it's very easy to stay in touch now with people mm-hmm. wherever, wherever you are, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. a bit more 
it's a bit more conversational. Whereas when I went to uni, um, uh, it was very, it was like you have a weekly chat and a catch up. Whereas now it's just like, yeah, you can skip all the kind of what you've been up to because you know what people have been up to, and it's more a case of how are you, you know, and uh, oh yeah. It's weird at the moment for me watching the uh, football because it's in Doha and I used to, to work in Doha. Yep. Um, and when I was there, to be able to um, FaceTime back here, you know, Skype, whatever, yep. uh, was was really easy. So, like, the end of my day, time difference was a bit. But yep. um, I, I'd um, connect in to everyone back here. And it was like I hadn't been away because I'm there. Yeah. You know? And it's, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's a weird kind of like philosophical question there, isn't there, about what, where do we exist? And like, is it the place that we're actually, like I'm in London now in Ealing, but I'm also in your front room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, that, that's it, isn't it? It's like um, maybe that sense of loss would diminish, you know. Yeah, so technology. Imagine when we've got like hologram type situation. So you'd actually be sat on the sofa over there. I know. Yeah, I wonder if we'll even need to do that to that point. Or whether, yeah, because I've, I've, I've had quite a play with VR. We used to, in my office, we used to have a, a virtual reality yeah. setup, which was really immersive. Mm. Uh, and I know Facebook are plowing a lot of money into all that kind of stuff. I mm. wonder if we'll ever need to kind of reach that stage, whether this will be enough. Or what where technology will take us is uh it's a bit of a faff putting a headset on and it's a bit a bit strange mm. i i reckon we're gonna have feely suits and um smellow vision and you, you get the lot <laughs> yeah I, I find it strange like how tellies um like literally the, the telly we have in our front room or we all have on our front rooms I'm, i find it quite interesting why they don't come with cameras yet in that You'd think that a TV would be a good place to have a family Zoom call or, or something like that, but that even that level of quite simple, what would be quite simple to... Because a, a smart TV now is just a computer, really, isn't it? but a simplified computer. With Maybe people are paranoid, though, while being filmed. Maybe, but, yeah, you can get little slides, little physical switch that puts a, a screen mm. across the camera and... I just wonder why Zoom, with it, with all the mad Zoom and FaceTime stuff that kicked off in the pandemic, why it didn't kind of move on to having TV um, voice chats and you know a big because if you've ever been on like a six-way video call on your phone with with family, it can get a bit messy. <laughs> whereas it, it, will, it will be a lot easier on a big forty-nine, fifty-five-inch telly, wouldn't it? Well, I used to do a thing when I was here. Um, but I would be running a program in, in Doha, in Qatar. <clears throat> um, and it was WebEx that we used, but I would be on a screen in their lecture hall, and next to me would be a screen with the PowerPoint on. Yeah. But I could see them, and they could see me. Yeah. So that people would interact and ask questions and put their hand up and all that kind of stuff. And it was like I was in the room with them. Yeah. It's like your your brain kind of fills in the blanks, doesn't it? And just yeah. plonks you face-to-face -face with people. Um, yeah. Quite immersive. Uh, anyway, interesting. But, yeah, as we're saying, it's easy to stay in touch now. I guess the kind of question to ask is whether it's too easy to stay in touch and whether 
I don't know, some people might want their independence. Kids leaving home might not want to speak. So I guess you need to be a bit sensitive to how often your child or your parent want want to hear from you and how much is too much information or too little information, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that's what I think about when I was talking about this, uh, uh, the mother whose who's kid's like half an hour away, really. Um, yeah. And... I guess that the kid needs that to um, to actually develop themselves, you know. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, that's not very far at all, is it? Um, whereas I, I I I moved two hundred miles up to uh, up to Newcastle, really. Um, not deliberately, like it was the course I wanted to do. But and I was I've I've got family in Newcastle, so it's a city I sort of knew already. Um, but I do remember kind of making that decision when I was whatever, 18, 19 to like, I'm going to go somewhere that's far enough away so that I'm not dependent on my parents anymore, but so I can, mm-hmm. I have to kind of force myself to, um, and yeah. I guess parents, parents need to realize that their kids are making those decisions themselves or that they should be in that, you know, you might need to give them a bit more space, um, and just kind of be sensitive to the fact. That I don't know. I, I've mentioned it before on this, but I I did some work a few years ago um, with a company, and the woman had carried on running the company after her husband died, and she was in her nineties, but she was still as bright as a button and was running it. Um, and her son, who ran the office, um, was known as the boy, and he was seventy-two. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it's like, at what point do you leave home? You know, yeah. and he was still very much um, a child to his mother mm. at seventy-two. Right? Wow! Yeah, people are like, end, endlessly fascinating, aren't we? Mm. Yeah, and that, that's one of the reasons why I like doing what I do because I mean, I, I think that it's it's a real privilege to climb in other people's heads. Um, but it's it's a fascinating thing for me, mm-hmm. you know how people think and act yeah. and feel. Yeah. All right, yeah. cool. We'll we'll wrap it up there. Unless there's anything else you want to add. But no, no, I'm cool with that. Um, what are you going to link to in the resource? Um, I've um, popped in a website which is about you know empty nest syndrome, and it's got lots of advice on it and and things to read about. Um, how, how you come to terms with it. And and it, I suppose it's acknowledging that you've got it to come to terms with is uh, yeah. it's quite real. So. Cool. Um, all right, I'll stick that up. And I'm going to link again to a movie called The Bucket List, which is a comedy uh, from, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago with uh, Jack Nicholson and Morgan. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Think. So a couple of old fellas that are going, reaching the end of their days and they kind of decide to... Uh, I need to watch it again. Actually, I can't remember how they get together, whether they're mates or not. But they have a bucket list of things they want to do before they pop the clogs. So, yeah, heartfelt, but yeah, good, funny, funny movie with some but, good actors. But, in but it. Maybe that that's a message for parents: is that um, as much as your child needs to prepare to go off to university, you need to prepare yourself too. What are you going to do mm-hmm. if you're used to? It's like with your mother with both of you boys going off like that, her life would have changed quite quite dramatically quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, what did she do with that, with the time that she had that would have been devoted 
to looking after these children. And, and it's preparing ourselves for that as well. It, it's a bit like some of the organizations that I work in have pre-retirement programs. If you're going to retire for the year before, six months before, whatever, you actually attend a program that prepares you for retirement. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That'd be quite valuable because, yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. I'm going to have to speak to my mum, really, and see what it was like. I should have... Uh, yeah, yeah, it'd be before. interesting to know. I should have given her a call and, and asked her before we came on air, like, what yeah, was it I like? should have had her on as guests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks, Sean. Well, we'll catch up again next week, eh? Okay. You take care. Good luck with the old um, heart restart thing. Let me know oh, how yeah. it goes, eh? Yes. Assuming I'm still around next week, I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Best wishes, mate. Um, cross me fingers. <laughs> okay. You, you take care. Bye, see Sean. Ya. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye.